Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. Every other week, we get together to talk about the things that matter to you as a professional project manager. And it doesn't really matter whether you're a PM veteran or someone simply exploring what the field is all about. We're here to offer some ideas, some perspective, and draw on the experiences of others who have been down that road and have realized success. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me are two who are still on that road, Andy Crow and Bill Yates. Thanks, Nick. We've had so much interest in the topic of artificial intelligence within project management, and we've got somebody here who knows a lot about AI who's going to be processing that with us. Our guest here in the studio is Chris Benson. He's an artificial intelligence machine learning strategist, a solution architect, and a keynote speaker who specializes in deep learning. That's the computation technology that is driving the artificial intelligence revolution. Chris is the co-host of the Practical AI podcast, produced by Changelog Media, designed to make artificial intelligence practical, productive, and accessible to everyone. He's the founder and organizer of the Atlanta Deep Learning Meetup, one of the largest AI communities in the world with nearly 2,000 members. Chris, it's great to have you here on our podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Could we start off by just defining for our listeners what artificial intelligence is. So artificial intelligence means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, And in my view, it's really a marketing word more than it is anything Hmm. else, because over the years, the the definition of artificial intelligence has changed and evolved. Hmm. So what you might have uh, thought of in the 1980s is vastly different from what it is in 2018. So... Uh, Before I define it, I want to point out I was uh, in a group uh, of artificial intelligence experts that Adobe was hosting about uh, six weeks ago. And uh, in doing that, they asked us all that same question, and all 10 of us gave 10 different answers. Well, and the the joke is if uh, you ask economists, two economists, uh, for a definition, you get three answers. Absolutely. Same idea, huh? (laughs) Yep. So it was very much that. So I, I wanted to note that. Take what I say with a grain of salt. What do you think it is? So what I think it is is uh, a narrow definition. I would consider that in 2018, artificial intelligence is synonymous with deep learning, which is the application of deep neural networks. Interesting. Well, learning is certainly a part of AI that I think uh, that's almost a universal um, component that goes across most definitions. Most definitions talk about uh, the ability to imitate uh, intelligence and things like that, imitate human intellect. But that ability to learn and grow as a neural network uh, is an interesting part of it. So how do, how do machines learn? So there's, there's different techniques, and, and those all broadly fall under the definition of machine learning. The thing that separates deep learning, which is how I'm defining AI, from the rest is that it can take uh, an enormous number of inputs, we call them features in data science, and process them in a highly nonlinear manner and give inferences, which are essentially probabilistic predictions Mm. on what the answer might be. For instance, uh, to to make it real, if you have machine vision and you are putting a cat in front of a camera and it will come back and identify that it thinks it's a cat, it might come back 97%. But the, the difference is these technologies aren't going to come back with 100%. They're probabilistic right. technologies. But they can, they can make these identifications using a model that is many orders of magnitude more complicated and therefore in some ways more capable 
than previous models in machine learning. A funny comment to that end. About two weeks ago, I looked across the street and I saw something. And it's funny what your brain does when it doesn't have something that that fits a pattern or that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And I saw a cat coming across the street. It was a couple hours before dark. And uh, I looked at it and this cat was enormous and it was walking funny. But my brain's telling me, well, it's, it's a cat. And I called my wife over to see it was a giant raccoon coming oh, across the street. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now that's a daily ritual, that raccoon <laughs> crosses the street. But it's it's interesting that you say that, that it's not 100% certain, because I was pretty certain and I was mm. wrong. Yes. Mm. I mean, our, and, and I mean, there's a, an analogy to be made there is that in, saying this very loosely, neural network technologies are, are essentially modeled after uh, the brain. And, right. and so a mammal's brain, um, not just a human brain, but any mammal's brain the uh, cerebral cortex specifically. Um, and so um, with that said, uh, you can take, you know, sometimes tens of thousands of inputs into that. And yes, we make mistakes. And just as we make those mistakes, today's neural networks make those kinds of mistakes mm. all the time uh, before the training gets right. I think it's worth noting that your wife pointed that out to you, that mistake. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> I self-corrected. self-corrected. <laughs> <laughs> he got there before she could get to it. <laughs> As we talk this through, um, project managers are looking at this idea of AI, and a lot of people believe that it may have an earlier impact on project management than some of the other domains, uh, which is interesting to me. I'm not sure I agree with that. What, what do you think? So I, I don't know if it's having an earlier impact because um, talking with people all the time about this, I see it having an impact everywhere mm-hmm. in just about every industry on the planet. As a matter of fact, I haven't been able to come up with an industry that I don't think will be impacted um, in the years ahead. And some may be sooner than others, um, but you're already seeing it across medicine, transportation, financial, right. Right. you know, mm-hmm. security, uh, you name it. It's it's already starting to have a place. Machine vision's everywhere. Natural language processing is everywhere. Right. these technologies are becoming pervasive. We're all using it every day, hmm. uh, every time you're doing Google searches or using your email or right. whatever. So it, it's it's already affecting our lives in a profound way. That's true. Even in my home, you know, I think of my friends Siri and Alexa. Uh, iTunes is getting smarter. You know, whatever streaming service has these recommendations and suggestions, they it's as if they can see inside of me. They literally know more about you than you consciously do yourself <laughs> in many ways. Right. Because everything that you do is data for them, and it is constantly crunching that data behind the scenes. Mm. So, Well, so now uh, that gives us an interesting transition because project managers are also supposed to predict to mm. some degree. That's an important part of our job. It's not all of our job by any stretch. But it's an important part is to to look at things going on and to spot some signal in the noise, if you will, or some trend that maybe the team doesn't even consciously know yet. Maybe the customer hasn't picked up on this. Maybe the developers don't know, but the PM sees it. Uh, that seems like a pretty natural fit for it's AI. A, it's a very natural fit, especially so. And, and there's a there's a question that I'd like to even pop in before that, and that is, what will AI do well for us uh, in mm. general? And and that is today very specific problems that are highly complex. So if you have many many different inputs that come into a problem, but but you're narrowing the scope of what it's trying to accomplish to something that's very specific, then 
in many cases, we're seeing AI technologies that are improving upon even human experts. And I would say that that is likely one of those. So that's interesting to me that AI is sort of tuned toward uh, very specific and very complex problems. The human brain is amazing at general things. Um, you know, not everybody can make change, uh, hmm. you know, for a $5 bill. And, and so it's kind of funny that the human brain can do a lot of broad things, but not everyone is really good at super complex things. Yeah, and you're, you're making a great point there, and that's that we should not think of today's neural networks as analogous to an entire brain. So you could think of it right. as a very small collection of neurons in your brain that has been trained through your own activity to do a very specific task or identify something. That's what today's neural network would be. So if you were going to get to a level of complexity in dealing with daily life where you're doing that kind of generalization, that would be like having lots and lots and lots right. of deep neural networks that are all put together to sort of simulate what your brain is doing. Well, and psychologists tell us those neural networks sometimes compete as well. Mm, right. and they do. that's interesting uh, from my standpoint mm. that then you have some kind of function that prioritizes those things and knows which ones to listen to and yeah. which ones to tune out. That's yeah, fascinating. It, our own brain creates all sorts of noisy signals that it because e each little piece of our brain is being trained for specific specific things, and they don't always go together well. And so just like that, uh, that's actually uh, in robotics right now, we're seeing that, is that to, to get a robot to do a set of things that it's assigned to do typically requires a whole bunch of different neural networks, one for every task, and they don't always agree. And so you have, mm. you have strategy components that have to address what to listen to. And that translates out into all sorts of other industries as well. It's not just robotics. I've um, done a project years ago with statistical process control, and there were elements of that that are kind of echoing in what you're saying, interestingly enough. Uh, there, was a, there was an order to it, but there were things that were competing, uh, and you had to sort of use almost fuzzy math to get to the right solution. It's, mm. uh, it's deeper than we want to go into here. So one, one of the things, Chris, ideally project managers try and keep the team focused. Do you see any applications for AI in that? Sure. So the way I would assess that and, 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 and go down uh, the path of developing a strategy for project managers is I would look at the engagements that they're in, look at all the different things that are hitting that project manager. There's so much information they have to consume and, and sort through. And so if I was going to do that for project managers, I would think, um, what are all those features? What are those inputs that the project manager, the human project manager is having to deal with? And what is the output that the project manager is getting? Where do they go wrong? Mm -hmm. And I would, I would get the data that represented each of those points. And I would put it through a model and train that model and try to get the, the equivalent of the right answers coming out of that. And I think mm. that there's a real, uh, a very powerful role for AI bots to help project managers in the days ahead to ensure that things are going better than they would without that partnership, which is a really key term here is that many jobs, including project management, in my view, are likely to be partnerships between, between humans and AI. Yeah, that makes sense. I... You know, the idea of having um, something that helps the PM, that assists, and, and especially reduces the cognitive load. I know that's one of the benefits of AI, is reducing the cognitive load. 
That's great. I mean, I think of that as, okay, if I can take some of these tasks that are that are very complex, maybe they are narrow scope, but they're a specific problem that have a lot of data associated with them. If I can, can outsource that, right? If, right. If, somebody, if I can offload that, then I'm freed up to see the big picture. As Andy says, you know, now I can use my brain to really engage the, how is my entire project environment going? Yeah, I think, I think that's very likely, uh, with project management and with many other jobs as well, where things that we don't do well as humans, where we struggle to, to account for so many things in the spur of the moment, you can have a machine that is, that is going through that for you, giving you the output and letting your human creativity apply itself with that right answer. You know, uh, my car has a lot of collision avoidance sensors and software on it. And so if I'm approaching something too quickly, it will be very quick to let me know. I also have a Harley, and my Harley has none of that, right? <laughs> you are 100% the collision avoidance yourself. <laughs> well, that's why it's so loud. People that look out for you. Loud pipes save lives. <laughs> it's intentional. But, but the experience between those two is very, very different. Because yes. the car has an autopilot feature, it will drive itself. Yes. Um, and I engage that pretty regularly. The Harley has no autopilot whatsoever. So when I'm driving it, uh, when I'm riding that motorcycle, I have to pay incredible attention. So what Bill said resonated with me about reducing the cognitive load. The cognitive load, maybe it should be the same in both. Um, we've just passed a distracted driving law here in Georgia that says you can't touch your cell phone while you're driving except right. in really limited instances, but maybe the cognitive load should be the same, but it does allow me a, a sense where I, I have to pay much, much more attention on the motorcycle than mm. I do the car. I wonder if that's where we're headed with some of this. I wonder if there's going to be sort of a heads up display for project managers that shows you things that you might not even recognize as problems long before they are. Mm. Uh, possibly so. I think, I mean, it comes down to a, 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 either a partnership where you're collaborating um, and where you do have that heads-up display. Um, and then to some degree, sort of like talking about your car, there's there's delegation mm. where, where you're completely offloading a set of tasks because it doesn't make sense for you, the project manager, to have to attend to that too. Um, allow you to focus on the places where you can add the most value in that relationship. And so so I think you'll see both. I think you'll see some tasks delegating, and I think you'll see some with that heads-up display and the bots that are interacting with you doing this collaboration. So, so the nature of work itself w- is changing right now. Mm. The idea of reducing the cognitive load, uh, when I was thinking about this conversation we're going to have, I'm reading a book right now called Choke, and it's about human performance and how to not choke, <laughs> whether it's a math test or hmm. you're shooting a free throw, whatever it may be. And one of the examples they gave focused on this idea of reducing the cognitive load. Hmm. So if we go into a test or go into a high-pressure situation, the more we can focus, the better. So reducing the cognitive load. They gave an example of a math test. And if, the, if someone tried to answer the question in their head, then they're, they're using a lot more of the brain than they need to be. Uh, if, the, if the question was written out horizontally, again, I'm not – that's not naturally how I solve a math problem. So they could, if you could rewrite it vertically, then, okay, mm-hmm. now this reduced the cognitive load for me. I'm able to focus. So, again, I can see how for the PM, if I'm able to focus on just you know, that which I really need to see and block out some of those other things or somebody else is presenting that for me, 
then I'm really able to provide the most value that I have. Absolutely. And and that way, and that really comes down to the nature of that partnership you're right. going to have. You want your PM adding value where they have they have that unique capability that that the machine doesn't necessarily have. And the things that are more rote, the things that require lots of data crunching really fast, instead of trying to go through those calculations in your head, let it do it, give you the output, and you keep focusing, you the PM keep focusing on your creative approach to that. I think a lot of people, a lot of the fear comes in at this point, though, Hmm. Chris, because um, if you go back, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago in American business, you had a typing pool and executives Hmm. dictated uh, their thoughts into a dictaphone and somebody magically typed that up in an appropriate format and sent it back. That doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it, it, you can say Siri does it now, or right. but, but everybody <laughs> types for themselves. You know, you just learn to type, and I don't know anybody who has a dictaphone. There may still be somebody out there who does it that way. I think a lot of people are afraid the same thing's going to happen in PM, and it's going to work like this, that uh, before you had to have a project manager to organize, to schedule, to prioritize, and to drive these tasks to track performance to monitor and control, to take care of all this stuff. A lot of people are afraid that some kind of machine learning is going to take so much of the heavy lifting out of it that executives will just do it themselves, Mm. just like they type themselves now. So I, I would take a different approach to that myself. I would suggest that instead of a project manager uh, assuming that the the rote, the heavy lifting, all those kind of fundamental get through it processes that they do, uh, instead of worrying about that being uh, what's going to make you valuable, I would say take advantage of this. Allow the AI to help you supercharge you as a project manager so that you're actually more valuable than you ever were to your organization before. And this is why I enjoy talking with you so much. I absolutely agree with that. I think it's going to empower us to do more things in less time. I don't think it's going to replace anybody. We'll yeah, see. I agree. I agree. I, I'm thinking... I think of 10 resources. Let's say a project manager is managing 10 resources on the team. And let's say I've got a bot. I have something that is helping me track those 10 to figure out who gives me the best estimates, who's not good at estimating. And and maybe right? adjust those estimates yeah, for them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you have know, that just, data coming in over time, right. you if you know that one of your sources isn't giving you the best estimates, mm-hmm. that's there you go. That's data. Yeah. That's what a model does. And right. it accounts for that. It, get, it turns out they can turn in whatever they turn in, and you train a model to give the corrected version that is right on time, right, mm-hmm. right on budget. Yeah. Andy, one of the issues that I see, and I think back to the projects that I actively manage, it goes back to one of the the first things that Chris said, features and inputs. How are we tracking this data? How much data do we actually capture from project to project that we can feed into these models? But you know what? This is the other part of that, is that we believe we know what's important uh, to track, right. and we may not. Hmm. Uh, there may be so many factors that we can't even uh, really process. And so I look at it that way. I find, here's what I find. I find that the AI on my phone, I've got an iPhone, um, is creepy. It seems to know (laughs) where I'm going to go sometimes before I know where I'm going to go. And it always just makes me a little uncomfortable when it tells me how long it's going to take to get there. And I hadn't even actively decided that I was going there yet. So uh, it 
picked up on some pattern, maybe every Monday, you know, I go by Whole Foods or whatever it is. It figures out something. So when I look at that, it makes me aware, okay, we are creatures of habit. We do things habitually. And there there are actionable estimates that we can give on that. Right. It's interesting. So uh, you know what? Uh, right now in the agile world, we look at story points and we look at difficulty and we play planning poker and mm-hmm. we, we do things like that, which is sort of almost heuristic. Um, I think AI could be a terrific help if you know how to describe something to the AI, if you can describe mm-hmm. it meaningfully. So, so you're raising a great point there about two things that I'd like to know. One is about the data for, for the models that you're going to create to help you. And one is about the human interface mm. with that model. And that is is that even though Siri, in your case, is uh, knows you better than you do in terms of where you're going, the, the way that it's choosing to interact with you today is a little bit creepy, as you say. Yeah. So there's a lot of work being done in that area in terms of, uh, aside from the data and, and showing what the right answer is, how do you communicate the right answer in such a way that it is truly seamless and doesn't give you that weirded out feeling that you're getting mm-hmm. currently? Some of that's just going to be training me, I guess, you know, over the years. And my, my children probably don't feel that way about it, but I do. Probably. And, and that we have to, we have to be flexible and grow with this. But the other side is the data. And you raised a great point when you said what we may not know what needs to go into the model. Um, that's a field called feature engineering, uh, in AI. And that's and with the feature being the input. And, and that is a big thing. And it, right now it is collaborative, collaboratively done between human experts and the model. Because when you, when you go through, uh, AI will wait the, the importance of those different inputs. Mm. And so to some degree, you can shortcut things by taking a human expert that hopefully knows the right answer. It can get there sooner. But if not, you can feed a model lots of different data points. And the things that aren't so important, it will wait with very little importance. And the things that are important, it will wait accordingly as well. It's the same thing we did in manufacturing, learning how to describe three-dimensional objects in a way that made sense and could be CNC created. Yes. Uh, so it's it's a similar thing we've got here, whether we're talking about manufacturing, whether we're, whether we're talking about construction or software engineering, thinking about how we want to describe things. That's going to be a big deal. Uh, Bill, I've got a question for you. And Chris, uh, I'd like to hear you weigh in on this too. So uh, we have traditional waterfall project managers, and we have sort of the newer agile project management. Um, I firmly believe that one is not better than the other, that there are two ways to answer the same question. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that one may be impacted more than the other by this. What do you think? Well, I would see how I think it would fit more friendly with agile, uh, just to start out with, because of their... Uh, the frequency, the as you noted, the velocity, the the user stories, counting right. up points, estimating. Estimating is such a regular part of what they do. Right. In the retrospectives. Estimating, happen. refactoring, right. and yep. reprioritizing, and mm-hmm. another short iteration or burst. Yep. Right. Yeah, it allows you to have that feedback loop from your AI helpers, whether they be bots or whatever other tools that you've created, to to feed into that agile process as well. So I think you get the benefit of that AI supercharge right there. I think we're not all that far off from having 
AI bots on the Slack channel and you don't know or think about who's your coworker and who's who's the bot. Actually, that's already happening. Well, I, I, <laughs> so we're not far off from it. Was right. so as, as an avid Slack user, I I have seen these yeah. and, and there are some there are some little things that I've seen developers do putting together. So. I, like economists, am really good at predicting the past. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a lot, what we'll see with software, my guess is with project management software, scheduling, estimating software, we're going to see more and more integration of AI in that. So that it's almost like, Andy, I almost see it as there's a there's a little smart feature built into the tool that says, are you sure you want to put that estimate in? Are you sure those are the only risks you've identified? Are you right? certain you've described this or understand it adequately right, to right. take the next step? Is it decomposed to the proper level Right. Yet? Right. And if it has access to your historical data from all these other projects that you've been working on, it may come back and, and, and let you know, you know, we're not accounting for this. We're not accounting for that mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and give you – because the data that that AI model is using is essentially a proxy for reality. And so if you feed it the data – that is the reality of all these past projects, right. then you can get an amazing helper for you. When it's going to get interesting is when that that particular project management AI starts talking to the strategy AI for the corporation and saying, Ooh. I'm not sure this is really strategically aligned with where <laughs> we're going. Or, um, hey, the, the finance AI component bot doesn't think we have funding for this <laughs> and we're going to have to change the prioritization of the components that we're developing in order to match the funding. Uh, capabilities. I think you're exactly right because, uh, you know, going back, not only do I see it ap- impacting every industry, but really every function in every industry. Right. And so uh, you made a comment a few minutes ago about not really knowing if that person on Slack is in fact a human or an AI bot. And I think that's exactly right. So mm-hmm. we're all uh, relatively young. Are we going to live to see uh, the scenario I just threw out? I, I think it's already starting to happen. Hmm. Uh, very, I think over the next few years, there's so much work being done in that space uh, that, yes, I think we'll experience it. Very I worked with a CFO who was very much like a bot, so I'm not <laughs> sure he had a soul. Or a... That may be the very first function in your organization that you can't tell the difference anymore. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There's so many practical applications, though, for project managers. I mean – to me, Andy, if, if I get over the the whole idea of the matrix with capital capital M matrix, if I can get beyond that, if I think of something that's looking over my shoulder at the the plans that I'm building and managing with a team, and it says, "Hey, Bill, check it out. You've got this many stakeholders identified in your contact list, right? But you've only got this number of risks in your risk register." Uh, you may want to look at that again. You guys may need to go a little deeper with your analysis. Hey, listen, uh, having a bot to help you remember to follow your communications sure. oh, plan yeah. Yeah. Uh, or to follow some policy within the organization, that right. would be significant. I've got a friend who works for Chevron. His uh, computer forces him every few minutes to take a particular kind of break, just huh. ergonomic break, stand up, stretch your wrists, do this. And they take it very seriously. And uh, I wouldn't quite go so far as to call it AI, but it's sort of a forced compliance within Mm -hmm. the uh, software and hardware that it locks them out. They have to do it. 
My Fitbit does not have that much control over me. But it buzzes (laughs) when you reach your goal, right? Or it it lights up or something. Sure. Well, we're we're not looking for AI to be our overlords. We're looking for that partnership, (laughs) and that's where we're going to see that benefit. So it's the difference between sort of Minority Report where um, there was still a lot of looking over shoulders and technology involved in your day-to-day lives, and The Matrix where, no, no, (laughs) your new new overlords are here, and you're here to to serve their needs. Interesting. Chris, I got another question for you. Do you see areas where AI is going to struggle uh, within project management? I'll give you an example. Soft skills have become a lot more important in the past few years. Uh, They've taken on a, a big focus within the project management community. It used to be Project management was very much a left brain, cerebral, uh, almost an engineering function. And then they started realizing, okay, people are not robots. They're people. They have needs. And the way you communicate with them, the way you talk to them, uh, the way you try and uh, motivate and inspire them makes a huge difference to the success of the project. Uh, Is AI going to struggle there? Will it learn to uh, basically emulate some of that? So Andy, I think you have answered the question that you've just asked me to some degree, and that is that soft skills are are definitely going to be the area that AI uh, will not be dominant in in the the next few years. As you pointed out with Siri earlier, um, it is still weirding you out a little bit, and those interactions are are vital to productivity. And so um, AI will be helpful as a bunch of small components that are very task-specific, and you, the human project manager, will be the ringmaster who is managing all those components which are designed to help you in very specific ways, but it's your creativity uh, and your human brain which will drive things forward. The ringmaster, just like Sauron. <laughs> well, Bill, it sounds like it's time for us to start developing some soft skills because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> that's going to keep us uh, from the high tide the longest. That's, right. that's where we can add value. But, I, you know, I can think of it. We could, I could see AI helping me as a project manager by tracking hours per team member and saying, hey, here's, here, here are those that are putting in overtime, and this is the fourth week in a row that these two have. You know, pay special attention to them. Go check with Susan and George. They may need some time off. Send them an and, edible arrangement. And, <laughs> right. and, and, and it, it places the order for me. And, and it may even be able to take it a step farther and suggest reasons why you're seeing mm. those, those uh, you know, changes over the last few weeks or something right. to where uh, it doesn't just tell you that they're happening. But it it, it kind of gives you a sense of why and what you might want to do about it. What a great discussion, Chris. Thanks so much for being with us to share your insight. Thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for coming. And uh, we always like for our guests to leave with a little something in hand. And it's going to be hard for a bot to replace this. It's a manage (laughs) this coffee cup. And uh, this is going to make you the envy of all of your friends and associates. That's the perfect gift. I love my coffee. And now I can look at my Manage This logo all the time. Yeah. And let me ask you something for our listeners who might want to get in touch with you. Uh, You also have a podcast. Can you tell us uh, what's the best way to reach you and how can we find out more about this podcast? Sure. So the podcast is called Practical AI. It's produced uh, by an organization that software developers in particular may very well know called The Change blog. Um, and it is one of their podcasts. Uh, and you can find that at changelog.com slash practical AI. But uh, to either get there or to reach me in social media, the easiest thing is to just go to chrisbenson.com. It's my website and there are links to any way you want to reach me, uh, including the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. 
We want to remind our listeners about the extra benefit we have for you here on Manage This. As you collect your PDUs, your professional development units, you can add a few to them just by listening to this podcast. To claim your free PDUs, go to VelociTeach.com and select Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and just click through the steps. That's it for us here on Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in for our next podcast. In the meantime, you can visit us at VelociTeach.com slash Manage This to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or to contact us. And tweet us at Manage underscore This if you have any questions about our podcasts or about project management certifications. That's all for this episode. We thank you for joining us. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.